Warning. Geesebumps is a comedy podcast based on the works of R.L. Stein. Any similarity to an actual literature podcast is coincidental and unintentional. The next ride might be their last. The Morris family got lost trying to find Zoo Garden's theme park. But that's okay. They found another amusement park instead. It's called Horrorland. In Horrorland, there are no crowds, no lines, and the admission is free. Seems like a pretty cool place. But that was before the heart-stopping ride on the Deadly Doom slide, and that terrifying experience in the House of Mirrors. Because there's something weird about the rides in Horrorland. Something a little too creepy. A little too... real. So, do they have an annual pass? Well, if it's free, every day is an annual pass. How do they get their margins working with the economics of this park? I mean... Satan. Okay. Satan! Okay, hello and welcome to Geesebumps. Uh, did you mean Goosebumps podcast? I'm Danielle. I have a PhD. I am JoJo, and I have a PhD. I'm Jeff, and I still have our Christmas tree up. Y'all, it it is January, January 23rd. Yeah. Summer's here. <laughs> yeah, well, in California, yes. In California, summer's here. It hit a balmy 65 degrees this week. Yep. I yep. would describe it as a salve on my soul. That wonderful, beautiful sunlight. That warmth, that sunshine. And it made me think about what's my favorite thing to do in the summer, in the January summer, the jummer, as I call it. And that's sit Sit in the shade of your very own Christmas tree. Yeah. Yes. My Christmas tree is a palm tree. Well, that is very California of you. It is a yes. I'm very much of that West Coast lifestyle. Can we talk about how palm trees are the worst tree? Yeah, they're not very good for trees. Yeah, they're not a great, as far as they trees really go. They don't tree very well. Not, it, it, it fails to tree for me. Does it tree for you, Joe? It doesn't really tree for me. A palm tree is sort of like... If a tree put its hair up, but then decided to go to work, you know? Yeah. Like, come on, tree. You're photosynthesizing, aren't you? Tree, we have dry shampoo. You don't have to take a whole ass shower. It's fine. And people say, like, the reason why the, the fronds are so high up is because they grow in areas where there's a lot of competition. So it makes sense for the leaves to be really high. But I've never seen more than one palm tree standing on its own in the middle of a field. No. No. Well, I'm assuming because it killed all the others and it is the alpha. That's how it. Yeah. It's the Jet Li of palm trees. It is the one. And now it has it has the combined power of all 800 multiverse palm trees to grow as tall as it wants and do absolutely nothing of worth. Nothing of value. Now, do palm trees make coconuts? No, I think coconut trees do that. Yeah, I think coconuts make coconuts. Yeah, I think if you take a coconut, I think if you take an almond joy and you plant it in the ground, it eventually you will, it'll go into a coconut. You take that coconut, yes. you put that into so, the ground. Yes. So you said, if I take an almond joy and put it in the ground, why wouldn't it grow into an almond tree or an almond joy tree? 
Because no one's eaten the almond joy for the almond, Joe. Everyone's it's for the coconut. It's for the coconut, that sweet, sweet coconut. One piece of crappy almond versus an avalanche of delicious sparkling white coconut. Squad, I got news for you. If you tell me even one more time that if I was to plant an almond joy and it would grow into a coconut tree, that is anti-science, and I'm going to tell Politico, okay? <laughs> Drudge Report says that there's a lot of weight behind this almond joy turns into a coconut tree. That right wing rag has no <laughs> point telling me what happens if I plant my candy. Look, I want to tell you just a couple of facts about palm trees. Oh, dear that you God. Not have known. How did this happen already? <laughs> All right. No, no, Danielle, this is fine okay. because here's the thing. Right. We, we shouldn't be afraid of facts and figures. So, Jeff, tell me some stuff about palm trees. All right. Number one, this is from thespruce.com. Which is a kind of tree. Yeah. So I feel like they might be leaned a little bit towards palm trees in the positive. I feel like maybe it's not an objective rag it's to a, read. It's a pro-tree blog. Yeah. Let's reading. hear it. Some palms can reach heights of 70 feet or much more. That's that's nothing. <laughs> that's absolutely nothing. That's like me going, a human can reach the height of four feet or even more yeah. or less. <laughs> Uh, the tallest species can grow to be 160 to 200 feet high. That's respectable. That's a pretty respect. You know what? Props to you, palm tree. Yeah. But how tall is Shaq? Oh, Shaq is... Shaq's a little taller, huh? He's a little bit taller. A little taller. That's what I thought. Keep going. The palm, uh, the palm is a symbol of life. The Assyrians believed that the ultimate symbol of eternal life was a tree growing beside a stream, which I guess I guess palms are the only ones to do that. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, <laughs> that's dumb. That's a <laughs> dumb fact. This is. These are all dumb. Is this? Did they just fucking steal this from Pinterest? Keep going. Yeah. If you come to California, you will see that the only place that palm trees grow are places where there is absolutely no water and will never be any water. It is just dirt for miles, and that's where they, they are. Grow, I, I'm of the belief that every time a movie star spits on the ground, a palm tree grows oh. in its place. Oh. I like that. I could get behind that. That's what. That's that's what you. That's the one of the many superpowers you get when they gift you a SAG card. Yeah, the only things that they can grow in Beverly Hills are palm trees and those stars on sidewalks, but they don't do anything. Yes. that's where I want to be. It'll be interesting if any of this makes it into the episode. It'll be it fascinating <laughs> if any part of any of the bullshit we've been saying is relevant to our show. It is not. So today on Geesebumps, a Digimon Goosebumps podcast, we read one of probably the most successful mm -hmm. entries into the Goosebumps franchise, One Day at Horrorland. Yes. Which, as you know, a theme park, a day is never enough. You have to spend... Oh, for sure. Like oh, a week. Oh, yeah. A week minimum. That first day, you're just having, you're just foreplay. Yeah, you're just orienting. You're just eating the churros and seeing the sights. The first day in Disneyland, you're just letting Disneyland breathe down your neck mm -hmm. and, and, tickle, and tickle the small of your back. It's like a la croix of the day. You're just getting some essence of it. The first day, you sit silently taking in the surroundings. The second day... You stand in a line for eight hours. The third day, you go home. Yeah. Everyone, if everyone has fast pass, no one does. So one day at Horrorland is, just so y'all know, as far as I can tell, the only Goosebumps book I actually ever read before this podcast. Really? Which, you know, you picked a good one. I think we can all agree that this is a, a good to, on JoJo's side, amazing book. I would say that as, in terms of the Goosebumps books we've read thus far... Mm -hmm. This is definitely head and shoulders above some of them. This one had purpose. This one had purpose, and it had a very 
it had a very workable setting that they could do a lot with. Yeah, exactly. Which is why they've created a whole separate franchise of books. For exactly. This. Uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. It's evergreen. Uh, I believe it has become time uh, to do the synopsis of One Day at Horrorland. So who would like to do the uh, one minute synopsis first? Well, who wants to? Does anyone really want to do the two-minute synopsis? You know what? I haven't. I haven't done a two-minute synopsis in a little while. Yeah, I so usually. I think I'll do it. Yeah. I think I'll do it this time. Yeah. Why don't you get off your fucking lazy ass and do something, Joe? Get off your lazy horse. Yeah. Okay. Buy us some more computers and read the two-minute synopsis when we get to it. Eat my whole butt and my butthole. <laughs> no. Only one. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Only Ooh, one. Ooh, what a so. Okay, hold on. Sophie's choice. Yeah. Right. Whole butt or butthole. Yeah. Leave a comment. (laughs) Uh, I'll do the first one minute. All right, Jeff, let me put up my stopwatch. And you have one minute on the clock. And go. All right. One Day at Horrorland stars Lizzie, Luke, Clay, who are kids, as well as mom and dad to Lizzie and Luke. Lizzie and Luke are brother and sister. Clay is their friend. They are driving to Zoo Gardens theme park. They are lost. And then they find their way to uh, Horrorland by accident. It's sort of a weird way that they just happen to find... Uh, billboard and they went to Horrorland. As they got to Horrorland, they were going to go inside and their car fucking exploded. <laughs> Mom and dad go <laughs> to find a phone. Apparently there are no phones at this theme park and there's just a bunch of people in monster suits. So you think the kids go off on their own and they go to a number of rides such as the Doom Slide, the House of Mirrors, Snake Area, and Bat Bar. <laughs> Each of these rides have a little bit of menace to them because they don't know if they're actually going to get hurt or die. All the kids come close to death, they think. At the end, they find their mom and dad. They're all about to go. They're told that they can't actually leave the park yet because they're on a reality show for monsters on Monster TV. And then they're forced to fight actual fucking monsters in an obstacle course, which it isn't an obstacle course. I don't know why they call it that. Damn. I, I skipped a lot. You did, but you got all the important points. Yeah, the rides don't really matter. No, it's like, ride, scary, 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 gonna die, gonna gut, gonna, oh, no, wait, oh, fine, okay. Let us get into the next one-minute synopsis. Danielle, are you prepared? Not at all. And go. This is about those kids whose names were mentioned earlier. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> get right on mine. <laughs> Fuck you. Yes, I can. That's what happens when you go first. You ch- you you can't do that, Danielle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can and I did, and I will. And they go to a theme park. Yeah, they were trying to find some other theme park, but that was just a setup that didn't really matter. And they're in their car. They leave the car, and they're like two feet away. And then the car explodes, and they're all like, "Oh, that's weird." And then they go inside this park where they're like, "Yeah, we don't have phones, but you know, go have fun." So they're like, "Cool, yeah, let's do that." And then they go on rides, and thirty fives. Okay, and then uh, they go on rides. They think they're gonna die, but they don't. And then. The fucking book jumps all the sharks and is like, surprise, you're on Monster Reality TV. And now you have to run through a room with monsters who aren't really trying that hard. And if you can get past them, then you. And. Okay. Yep. You got to exactly the same part that I did. <laughs> is there much after? There's and not you, really much after a- that. You aped my shit and still got as far as I did. Yeah, you, you, you're a biter. You bit Jeff. You extended your prehensile neck and unhinged <laughs> your jaw and bit Jeff <laughs> of his amazing synopsis. You bit him. What if Danielle had just like a super long giraffe neck? Ooh. You know what I mean? I'd like that. Like really long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Then I could eat food from really far away. Yeah, you could get the top branches. You wouldn't have. You could get the of top the of the palm, palm tree. tree. Yes. <laughs> Finally. You know what sucks now, Jeff? And this is the thing that I feel really bad about is now that we've made that callback, you have to put in at least some of the palm tree groups or there's going to be nothing that does nothing. I meant I, I intended for there to be some palm action in the beginning. <laughs> okay. Two minute synopsis for me, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. And do, do, do. go. One day at Horrorland stars Lizzie, Luke, Clay, and their parents. They're traveling to Zoo Gardens theme park. When they get very lost, as they're getting very lost, they end up at another theme park called Horrorland. When they get to Thor Horrorland, they're like, well, we might as well go in. We're already here. When they get out of the car, their car blows up. They go up to the ticket counter and they're like, hey, can we call the police or something? Because their car blew up. And they're like, we don't have phones, but go on in. It's fun. So they go in. The kids start wandering around, having a good old time. And they go on a bunch of rides. The first time they go out is a slide. The slide is very scary. They think Luke died on it, but when they go, or Clay died on it, but when they go on it themselves they just find just went through a really creepy spot and then they end up on the grass and they were fine then they went to a uh, house of mirrors where there was spooky stuff in the mirrors but it turns out they were fine like the mirror was going to close in on them but it didn't um then they went into a room full of bats whatever there was a lake with alligators in it that were just like chilling um and eventually they met up with the parents and the parents were like yeah we've been looking all over for you but we couldn't find you and this park is crazy but let's just go on one ride ourselves so they go on this ride that's a bunch of coffins and they climb in the coffins the coffins shut and it feels like there's spiders on them but there's really no spiders um and then when they get out it turns out that they have been on a t a reality tv show the Horrorland monster reality show and they said yeah you can thanks for joining us that's a hidden camera show it's on the monster channel thanks for playing there's the door but when they go through the door it turns out oh by the way no there's one last little physical challenge one last aggro crag for you to scale and they have to escape a bunch of monsters through like a race and they start going through the race and it seems like they're going to be killed but again they don't they get away and then the monsters of Horrorland are like yeah you're never going to leave and also we're real monsters ooh but as it turns out there were signs all over the park that said no pinching and so they uh, they pinch the monsters and then the monsters all deflate and after they pinch all the monsters this sounds ridiculous right yeah. they oh, pinch yeah. all the monsters they flee they hop on a bus they steal a bus. They steal a bus. And then they drive all the way home. And at the end, it turns out a monster was hanging onto the back of the bus. And the back of the bus monster is like, here, annual passes so you can come back next year. Bye. The end. Oh, the we and we all forgot the pinching. I part. always forget the pinching part because it's so stupid. Yeah. It's well, so fucking they, stupid. Yeah. So so that's that's Horrorland. Yeah. Their their weakness is pinching. Yeah, which they uh, telegraph at the very beginning of the book. With when all the pinching one, talk. One, one kid likes to pinch a lot. They they seed, yes, R.L. Stein masterfully seeds that idea in your mind, and you go, why in God's name did he waste his time telling me about this? But as it turns out, pinching saved the day. Um, if they had not had, because Luke, the youngest kid, not the, yeah, Luke, the, the young brother, He's called, he calls himself the mad pincher and he pinches a bunch of people. If they just didn't have that and they were at the park and saw signs that said no pinching and then had the idea, I think that would have been better than having been better. to plant the whole like, oh, also they love to pinch. Yeah. But also maybe you just could have come up with a better weakness than take a, take a whiz on them. Yeah. Like you gotta yeah, spit on them <laughs> or you gotta, <laughs> all you gotta do is reach out your two little fingers and pick any spot on their massive bodies yeah. and pinch yeah. and they're done. They're, they're dead. They're, they're ripe and ready to be pinched. Oh, God. Hot Horrorland monsters are waiting for you to That's pinch them. That's Horrorland XX. That's true. Well, we've gotten now to an impasse because um, while I believe I think I know what this book is about, 
Jeff, you and I haven't been talking about it, and you think the book is about something very different. Yeah, I think it's actually about... It, first of all, it has to do a lot with horoscopes. Yes. And I think a lot of it has to do with the the ancient aliens and potentially Egyptians and how... Interesting. You know, I, I think that maybe... Hold on, I think I hear something. Daniel, can you go get the door? I think there's somebody at the door. God, yes. why do I have to do this? Daniel, I got the door the last 800 times. That doesn't count. Once a year. Danielle, please just get the door so we can move on with this bit. It's part of our prenuptial agreement. God. Y'all ain't married, are you? Not yet. Or are we? Look, I, Jojo, I was going to propose to her when she comes back. Yeah, you shit, the door. you fuck. You bastard. Wouldn't that be wild if that happened on our show? <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. All right, that would be fun. Daniel, go get the fucking right, door. shit. God. Oh, guys, hang on. My phone's ringing. I'm going to put myself on mute real quick. Sorry. All right. Yeah. Oh, hey, Kim. Yeah, I think they're going to get married. Yeah, he said a joke about it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work out either. Yeah, he's really mean. I think he's. I think his hair is too thin, too. Yeah, you know what? Now that you mention it. Okay, you know what? We can talk about this later. Okay, bye. Okay, I'm back. Hi, guys. What's going on? I think somebody forgot to hit the button. <laughs> Hair too thin. Yeah, phone goose are good. All right. Phone uh, goose are wonderful. What is a phone? I am here. Oh, no. I am here for your edification. Well, well, well. If it isn't our greatest nemesis on our show, specifically about his work, R.L. Stein. Robert... Lawrence Stein. No, um, uh, Rabid Lummox Stein. Hey, Jeff, Jeff, give yourself a pat on the back for getting the initials for RL correct. Yeah, I finally did it. Yeah, you did a good job. Yeah, everyone, on our 100th episode, I finally... Wait, is this our 100th episode? Uh, feels like it. Okay, yeah, on our 100th episode, I finally did it. <laughs> <laughs> he can be taught. So Robert Lawrence, Robert Lummox, I should say. Thank you. Um, what? So we just read One Day in Horrorland, which uh, from our perspective is the start of your, I guess, horror laboratory from which any number of literary experiments can take place. Now, we have a very specific idea of what we think it's about, um, but why don't you tell us, what was your intention with One Day at Horrorland? I actually picked up the book as if I was showing it. <laughs> <laughs> the camera? Yeah, yeah. Appreciated. Much appreciated, yes. All right, so allow me to explain to you simpletons what is uh, happening in this book. It's not wrong. No. This book is an exploration of the fragility and the unreliability of reality in a postmodern age. Oh. Because you see, in postmodern times, it is difficult, yea, sometimes impossible, to know where the boundaries of reality end, or if they even exist. And so, this book is an exploration of the horror of living in a world of simultaneous but competing versions of reality. And it's also about how an integral part of horror is the delicate line between truth and imagination or between familiarity and frightening. That, those didn't match, but that's okay. So, 
Ultimately, what I have done is produced a statement about the surreality of humanity and the thin line between horror and truth. So you, you're making the argument then that horror land is sort of like the, the, uh, the liminal barrier between actual reality and this surreal world of your own sick, twisted worldview. Precisely. Horrorland has one foot in one world and one foot in another. It's got one foot on the platform and one on the doom slide. It's right. It both establishes the borders of reality. Indeed. But also subverts the, them. what is outside of it. Yes. Because did you, did, you, did you read the part where they were on a TV show? Did you, did you? I did read the part where they were on a TV show. And you know, kids kids today always watching te- their they, television. They, they love TV. I, they I, love I, their TVs, these kids today. You see how their attitudes change exactly. regarding everything that had happened once they realized that they were, quote unquote, on a reality TV once show. They rea- once they, hey, uh-huh. everyone gets their 15 minutes, Jeff. Yeah. They became much more accepting of this towing the line of reality. They certainly became much more amicable, didn't they? They did, until they almost got completely destroyed by monsters. Yes, until they realized it was a lie. And the thinking was that because they existed in this liminal barrier between reality and fantasy, that they themselves had become extra-natural versions of themselves, both real and unreal simultaneously. They had become both the, both the, the person and the reflection. In the mirror or whatever the fuck. Until they got squished. Until they got squished. Now, RL, yes. I, I have a lot of questions. This is a wonderful theory and it means a lot to me. And I, I, I really do think, I really think you've nailed it. However, why'd you make the car blow up? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Let me explain. Kind of seemed like you couldn't think. It kind of seems like you wrote and for five minutes and realized I have no particular reason to make them stay at the wrong theme park. Why couldn't you just make the car like, I don't know, stop working? How'd you make the car blow up? How did it blow up? It just doesn't blow it up. This is why my vision transcends yours. What if they hadn't found a theme park? Did you blow up a family? What if one of the kids was like, wait, I forgot my baseball cards in the car and then ran back as it was blowing up? I thought it would be obvious, but let me explain. So they parked the car mm-hmm. in a parking lot, right. which is a notorious breeding ground, gra- ground for leprechauns. Okay. Leprechauns, as soon as they exited the vehicle, leprechauns stampeded into the car, up through the workings. And, and blew themselves up? And blew themselves okay, up. Okay, I'm sorry. This seems like the rantings of a sugar-fueled mat... Wait a minute, what is that in your... Is that an Almond Joy in your pocket? I, I found it in the ground. Did you take that from our garden? Did you dig up my Almond Joys that I've been waiting to turn into coconut, to turn into palm trees? I'd like to think I saved it from the ground. Out! Go bury oh, it back in the ground. Yeah, go back. Go. You put that back out you there. You put that, that right back. That's for the harvest. Why did he run out with a almond joy? Well, I'm glad that RL shed some light on that. It was very hoity-toity sounding, so I'm not sure I actually caught most of it. But it has something to do with reality TV, which I do love. So that so now we can get on to the the meat the fucking you've you've bought that hot pocket you put it in the microwave for two minutes you cracked you, it well, open well no and first you had to put it in the little gray thing that makes it crispy somehow oh, it's sleeve it's it's oh it's, oh, it's not already in the sleeve. sleeve that's right yeah I put it in the sleeve why don't they just have it in the sleeve in the plastic wrap anyways why do they make me put it in the sleeve because Jeff he's got to feel like you're cooking yeah it's true oh. I'm a chef this is what Ratatouille taught me. <laughs> 
I have a rat underneath my hat. It helps me put the hot pocket in the sleeve. Wouldn't that suck as a rat to be like, <laughs> like get better dreams? <laughs> it's like a rat that worked at a high-end restaurant, had a drinking problem, and now has been shuffled down to the lower end, who's making they, me put hot pockets inside the sleeves. They didn't, they didn't show that part after the end of every service where Ratatouille where Remy would guide him to like a McDonald's yeah. <laughs> make him eat McDonald's. Yes. They didn't show the part where Remy made him do a bunch of cocaine. Yeah. He's got to stay awake for all that fucking chefing he has to do. Yeah. That's how you chef. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. There's I know chef without Coke. Isn't it like 80% of chefs definitely have both a rat under their hat and they do Coke. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Survey says. Survey says yes. Thank you, Steve Harvey. Cocaine rats. <laughs> Cocaine rats. The rats are also mules. I love that Eric Clapton album. <laughs> I love Cocaine Rats. Mm. <laughs> so let's get into talking about specific sections of the book. I do have a comment about the first line and the fact that it's Awesome. Okay, Daniel, why don't you start us off on that first line of the book? So this is this is page one, this chapter is page one, one, chapter one. The literal start of this book. As we entered the gates to Horrorland, we had no idea that in less than an hour we would all be lying in our coffins. What's Horrorland? I just started this book. What's Coffins? going on? <laughs> what? That's the first line. That's where we begin. My thinking about this first line that I really enjoy is the idea that this, so this is one of those things that a lot of Goosebumps books do is they implicate us, the reader, in all of the bullshit we're about to hear. Like Like at some level, we're responsible. You know? If we hadn't read past this first line, which clearly states that this character along with others, would be lying in their grave at some point in the book, then they might be safe and happy at home if we just stop so, now. So that's the thing. There's very, much, there's very much a sense of, like, we did it. We asked for this. We asked for this fun story about being in coffins. This, this first line also is sort of like a preface to the current meme, which is record scratch, freeze frame. Yep. That's me. You may be wondering how I got into this situation. RL was the first one to do yeah, it. That's my, that's my favorite part. Uh, that's me about to hear a story about someone going to a haunted theme park. I had to imagine what how I got myself into this error. I'm trying to like use the same guiding principle with other literature. Like, what if you were reading the Bible and it started out with Jesus being like, There I was, arms outstretched. In the hot sun. Oh, yeah. That's how you tell a story, man. That's how you tell a story. You may be wondering how I got in this situation. Well, let me take it way back. In the first, there was darkness. <laughs> yes, nothing but darkness. There I was, blowing up the Death Star. Man, oh, man, how did I get here? And then it zooms back to, like, those are my aunt and uncle getting blown up. This is like a, a version of, like, two days earlier yes. type of narrative device, which uh, I don't know how I feel about it. It's not even that buck wild of a two days. Early. It needs to be more buck wild. Like if it was like, here's Danielle smashing in the window of a seven 11 with an inflatable hammer. And then it's, and then Danielle's like, there I was. <laughs> how about you're wondering how I got here. Why would I try to use an inflatable hammer against glass. You will find out on page 152. <laughs> My favorite thing, though, is that 
It gives the exact amount of time. In just a few hours. No, in less than an hour. Yeah. Mine says in just a few hours. Really? Yeah. Oh, because the original says less than an hour. We had in less than an hour. Yeah, because the timeline stuff in this book is problematic. Yeah, the t- that doesn't make sense. Mine doesn't even make sense because by the time they're in the coffins in this book, it's been it's like, hours. It's been forever. This, if this book, if this narrative device is beginning, where is, wait, what? where is she? Is this her in the in the future? She's coming back to the past this to is, tell us this? This, this is yes. a very much a days of future past situation. <laughs> so she has... With the help of uh, Professor Xavier, gone back in time to tell herself about the coffins and such. Lizzie is the only one with the correct mutant powers that'll allow her to go back into her old body and also remember everything that happened in the future past. Pretty cool power. Yeah. And now she has to go and tell young uh, mom, dad, Luke, and Clay about About the horror land. Yeah. About how the Sentinels are going to be coming and they're going to be taking over. They're going to (laughs) fucking burst the guy to the ground to take the mutants away. And the, I mean, the genius thing about it is that once you read that line, you and your head are like kind of silently connecting the dots and formulating your own sort of theoretical narrative of how we're going to get there. And of course, to you, that theoretical narrative is going to seem bomb as shit. So you will later be disappointed, but... (laughs) When you find out that they just sat down in coffins willingly. Before you find out that, you think this is a really good book. Um, that's a wonderful passage. I love it. It's a sentence, but yes. Yeah. Um, I have, I have something from, from the beginning times. Yeah. The beginning of the book is one of the most realistic, but also uncomfortable scenarios, which is a long car ride with the fam. A lot of the R.L. Stein books have famine car ride, famine car, um, kids being loud and, and, and obnoxious. Boys being boys. Boys being boys, girls being girls. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. <laughs> but uh, they've got the three kids in the back that are causing all kinds of mischief, and they've been lost for, at this point, apparently hours. They're hungry. It's almost lunchtime. I don't actually know what time they must have left their house for it to still be mid-morning to late morning. The relationship is on the rocks. Everything's bad. So mom and dad are in the front seat, and... Rethinking their life choices that ended them up in this car with this fucking deadbeat family. This is page five, uh, chapter one. I'm pretty sure we've already been here, Dad said unhappily. It's hard to tell. It's all desert, Mom replied, gazing out her window. Very helpful, Dad muttered. How can I be helpful, Mom shot back. You're the one who left the map on the kitchen table. I thought you packed it, Dad grumbled. Why should it be my job to pack the map, Mom cried. Bring it up, you two, I interrupted. Once they start fighting, they never stop. It's always best to interrupt them before they really get into it. What does that mean? (laughs) What a time to be alive, the 90s. What a time to be a child seeing your parents get into an argument and then tell us, the reader of the book that you're narrating, that you have to stop them. Otherwise, they're really going to get into it. That's how it was in the 90s. Pretty, it's pretty bad when an, when an eight-year-old goes to her parents and is like, break it up, you two. And then the next page... She's just trying. She's trying like hell not to become a latchkey kid. Yeah. You can all see it. She's like, I just need to get out of grade school, please. I don't want to move in grade school. We can move in high school. It's okay. I could just say that Yuri's away on business, and that's why only <laughs> one of my parents comes to open house every time. My mom makes me lunch. Gives me lunchables because she cares about me, not because she doesn't have enough time to make me a real lunch every day. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, those those few pages with. D- parents getting so mad. All they do is yell 
And it reminds me a lot of um, Let's Get Invisible. Yeah. Where it is the the family that's so dysfunctional and it's being told by a child who doesn't quite understand the weight of it to a student counselor who is just like, my God. <laughs> the, the family that argues and fights and get trapped in an amusement park with monsters together stays Taste. together. <laughs> it's kind of true. Yeah. Literally, the dad of the next one says... Uh, the dad says, Lizzie boys, chill out back there on page six. I don't want to have to come up there. Yeah. And then Lizzie, which what the hell does that even mean? Nothing. Uh, it's nonsense. Lizzie says, dad, nobody says chill out anymore. And then he goes berserk, right? He's driving. It's just, it's just very, this, that those first couple of pages when like there was such tension and the parents were getting so mad at each other. Uh, it kind of made me uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it brought back a lot of bad memories. <laughs> because also the next page, mom suggests, I think you should ask someone for directions. And then dad says, ask, so ask someone. Dad exploded. Do you see anyone I can ask? His face was bright red again. He drove with one hand so he could use the other to shake a shake fist. Shake a fist. I loved that. And then mom's that. like, and then mom murmurs, isn't if you see a gas station? I appreciate that R.L. Stein doesn't want to paint every relationship between your parents as rosy. That's right. He wants to show you the real horrors. Real life is real life is ugly, Jeff. The real horror land is you know what? They're not afraid of horror land because the real horror land is waiting for him back home. Yeah. So that's 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 something I wanted to bring up. But before I, I do leave that one page, I do want to share the best joke that I've ever read in a book. Mm. Hey, look, a sign up ahead. This is page, uh, page seven. Hey, look, a sign up ahead. Mom pointed as a large green sign came into view. Luke and Clay stopped fighting. Dad leaned over the steering wheel, squinting through the windshield. Does it say where the park is? Luke demanded. Does it say where we are? Clay asked. The words in the sign came into view as we drove past it. It read, sign for rent. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty fantastic. So that's, that's what I got. That's wonderful, Jeff. Those are great sections. Does anybody have anything else they want to share? Danielle, if you said you had another little section in the beginning. I do indeed. Let's hear. Is it about the car exploding? <laughs> it is actually not because I thought that, that would we would have to talk about that no matter what. Yeah, I feel like we I feel like we'd have to talk about the car well, exploding. What's to say? The car blew up. I just like no. their reaction to it. Not okay. <laughs> not okay. I've seen Mythbusters too many times. To let that lie. Yeah. Well, Daniel, monsters did it. It's fine. Monsters did it, Daniel. Leprechauns. Uh, okay, this is on page 18. And what I like is there are these signs posted throughout the park that seem in tone more like the sort of like friendly hipstery kind of self-aware signs, you know? Raider like, parking only. Exactly. And it's like... This one is welcome to Werewolf Village. My, my honor roll student ate yours. Yes. Do not feed the werewolves if you can help it. My other Millennium Falcon is a Yaris. And what I like is the fact that, okay, those are so obnoxious. Those fucking like, aren't we twee little signs. And these, these ones are like, oh, we look like we're twee, but actually we'll kill you. Yeah, these are faux twee. Yeah, these are faux twee. These what are, is twee? These are uh, like cutesy, precious, um, 
overly precious angels. Yeah, overly like uh, like not not clever. More cu- trying to be clever, but more cute than clever. Yeah, yeah. Like it sacrifices some some smarts to. It didn't spec into intelligence. It specked into it thought charisma. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Like like quaint or yes. dainty. Yes. But yes. more uh, with actually more of a negative connotation than quaint or dainty. I would say. Mm, okay. So it's sort of a there's a little bit of a dumb connotation to it. Yeah. Like a little bit of dumbed down like cutesiness. The kids would call it cringe. Oh, yeah, then yeah. Let's okay. Use that word instead. Good job. Good. Yeah. Good save. So it's kind of, It's pretty cringe. These signs. Yeah. But these ones are cringe and accurate because they'll fucking kill you. Werewolves will fucking kill you. Werewolves will fucking kill you, and I love that. You love if, that werewolves will kill you, Daniel. I love a hipster twee sign that promises. Death and destruction. But here's the other thing, too. And this is what I think is really exciting, is they're very serious. Like, this is what we reveal later, is that all the signs around this park are a billion percent serious. They mean, they mean business, Daniel. Exactly. You think that they're being cute. You can't feed the werewolf. But they say if you can help it, meaning the werewolf is going to get theirs. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a matter of your decision. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Exactly. And I just wish that all of these stupid little hipster signs had a undertone of death and, and, and murder and dismemberment to them. So when I see the bumper sticker that says, my honor roll student can beat up your honor roll student, I want to see their honor roll student it's actually... It's more like my honor roll student will beat up your <laughs> honor roll student. Exactly. My honor roll student, whose name is John Bowers, is going to find your <laughs> honor roll student, which is named Jeffrey Thompson, tomorrow at the flagpole and beat the ever-loving shit out of him. My honor roll student, Ralph Macchio, <laughs> will absolutely crane kick your child <laughs> right in the fucking face. My honor roll student, William Zabka, is going to get beaten up by Ralph Macchio, your honor roll student, and in 30 years, he's going to get his revenge when he reopens Cobra Kai. It won't fit on the bumper sticker. That's why I have to get the full back window stencil done. This is a full car vinyl decal situation we've gotten ourselves into, Jeff. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, my uh, my my honor roll student has a crush on your honor roll student, so we should probably get them in the same room and give them the talk. <laughs> my honor roll student is only an honor roll student because they've been cheating on your honor roll student, and I hope we can have a conversation where we can continue this sort of relationship so my honor roll student can get into a good school because they don't have the same sorts of benefits that your honor roll student does. But your honor roll student can hang out with my honor roll student. They can learn how to like dance or sing or whatever. I've seen Save the Last Dance. Uh, your dirty ass fucking honor roll student is not going to hang out with my bitchin' fucking bought my grades honor roll student because, uh, no. <laughs> Even the bumper sticker has the word uh written in it. Uh. No. My honor roll student will help your honor roll student who still wears glasses take those glasses off so they can stop being an honor roll student and start being the girl next door that I didn't recognize was attractive this whole time and I can fall in love with. Yes, Are right. Are these stickers why Spencer's gifts isn't doing so hot? Should we talk about should we talk about the car explosion? 
What's to say? I mean, seriously, like, what's to say? Arl Stein blew up a car in his mind. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You, if you, okay, it takes a lot of detonation material to light up an entire car. Like you're talking like a bunch of C4, like illegal, way illegal smuggling over the border levels. Illegal by the laws of man, not the laws of monster. I think the thing that's interesting about the car exploding isn't necessarily the fact that it exploded, which is interesting in itself. It's just the fact that immediately afterwards, after the initial shock, all the kids are like, yeah, but so can we just like go inside? Yeah, like can we just uh, <laughs> go on some rides now? The, the dad is the only one acting appropriately where he's just like, what the fuck are you talking oh, about? Oh shit, my car! I need a phone! Oh God! But then, but then the people working there are like, nah. No phone. We don't got, I mean, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Just... What did the parents think they meant by we'll take care of it? Yeah, that's like, if you don't see the red flags falling from the sky at that. If I went, if I went to Six Flags and my, and my Hyundai Sonata got blown up mm-hmm. <laughs> and me and me and so me and Holly are at the gates of Six Flags. I look back, <laughs> my Hyundai Sonata blowed up yeah. and I'm like. Well, I have gap insurance, so it doesn't affect me that that happened, but how are we getting home? Yeah. And that would be my number one concern, is how do I get home? Because the nearest Six Flags from where we're at right now, hours away. That's a long drive. Hours away. And I'm not, and I don't have the, I I have a little bit too much pride to call Jeff and ask for a ride. Yeah. Also, you know, because you didn't invite us on this trip that I'd say, no, fuck you. What comes around goes around or something. Listen, Jeff, are you going to come pick us up or not? No. Sorry, Jojo. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't hear you over all the flapping of the flags behind you. Oh, so many red flags behind you, Joe. Son of a bitch. Eh, Sucks for you. Bye. Yeah. So if we got some middle bits. Yes. Yeah. You want to talk to those middle bits, Joe? Yes. Those middle bits. So this is, this is important. This Um, is page 50. I believe you said. So this is, this is page 50. It's page 50. Page 50. Okay. So, like most uh, Goosebumps books, uh, pretty much all the, well, not all the ones we've read, but a large portion of them, they have sort of this middle of the book thing where there's the premise, there's this promise the premise makes, and then a majority of the book is them, is R.L. Stein delivering on that promise. In this case, it's, you, they went to a, a, a horror, a spooky theme park. That's right away. You're just like instant gratification. I know exactly. Like even even without like any other information about this story, if I tell you it's a family that's trapped in a haunted amusement park, you're like, I know kind of the adventures they're going to have. I'm picturing Zebo straight away. Zebo, and there were no clowns in this. No clowns. No clowns. No. It was more of a. It was more of like we have actual like. We don't need no stupid clowns. We don't need get your get back in your clown car and go. So a lot of this book is uh, Lizzie Clay and Luke going on different rides, and the rides get progressively more and more bonkers. So this is on page fifty. They have gone into the House of Mirrors as a ride. Um, calling it a ride is giving it a little bit more credit. Yeah, it's uh, an experience. Yeah, they had to spend five tickets to get in. Oh, damn. You and I were not in the same room, I replied. I walked up to the glass wall and tapped on it with my fist. Huh? Luke's face was filled with surprise. He made his way over to me. Then he tapped his side of the glass as if making sure it really did exist. How'd that get here, he murmured. 
Clay started moving around his room, sliding his hands along the panes of glass, searching for the opening. Um, hey, I'm trapped in here, Clay said shrilly. So am I, I told him. There's got to be an opening, Luke said. How'd we get in? You're right, I replied fretfully. We should be able to get out the way we uh, get, came the inn. I began to search along the walls, moving quickly. My heart began to pound. I had a fluttering feeling in my chest. There had to be a way out. There had to be. And then finally she says, there was no way out. I, I'm trapped, I stammered. It's like a box, a glass box. I just thought this was Clay's first sexual experience. <laughs> what? 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 Okay, first of all, glass box. Okay, fucker. And then how do I get in? How do I get out? Oh, no, there's got to be an opening, but I can't find it. It's Clay's first sexual experience. God. I, you know what? I'm starting my own podcast. <laughs> Just let her fucking dangle. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what happens when you dangle me, Joe? You sit there with your words and you think about what you said. <laughs> You sit there with the bullshit you just said. That little child just had his first sexual experience. If my name's not Danielle McManus, PhD. Creator of comedy show, Geese Bumps. Yep, sexual experience comedy show, Geese Bumps. That's awful. I hate that. I hate everything you just said. Here's the part that I like. And, and this is where my brain went immediately because at this point in the story, we don't actually know that it's monsters. As far as we know, this is, this is just sort of like, like an action park. You know? The, the like curtain has the, yet to be lifted. That's what I said. The, the premise of this whole thing is the ride is scary up until the point it's not. It's scary <laughs> up until the point when it's like, oh, it's a big, it's a big goof. Yeah. You know? Big ha-ha. So what they have created here is literally the hall of fire hazards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the fire marshal not okay with this. They do that a lot in this book, but okay. So I so I'm touring the imagine I'm the fire marshal and I'm mm -hmm. touring Horrorland, right? You're checking the fire extinguishers, making sure that they're checking all... Checking the fire this extinguishers. This is the sequel that the world needs. I'm, ti I'm timing how long it takes to clear the park of gas, and I come to this. I come to the Hall of Mirrors, and I turn to you, Jeff. You are the director of operations of this park, and also, Danielle, you designed the rides here. This is Hell the yeah, I do. So I go, um, okay, so uh, walk me through okay. the Hall of Mirrors. All right, Tell, tell me how this is supposed to work. So the way that this We're works, in the control room, by the way. Okay, yeah, no, so we're looking down on it. So I'm like, okay, so you can, you can see down there, um, there are a number of ways that the hall splits and then different people who are going through it uh, go into separate rooms. And then what we do after they get into their own what, separate uh, I'm rooms. I'm sorry, sorry, what's the, what's the, what's the capacity? Uh, well, those the rooms? Rooms, well, that's the funny part is when you walk in the room, the capacity is about 20 people, but very quickly it's going to get down to about one because here's here's how we handle the frights in this one is, uh, well, first of all, we don't have signs for occupancy because that would give it away. We'd have to make a change and that's really just technology so we don't, don't have. So you don't actually have posted placards and signs for occupancy. How do, how do the workers know how many people are supposed to be in there? Well, we about that, workers. none of the workers come actually in here to do anything because... So does this, does this thing move on its own? 
So what yes, we do have it takes is care of itself. It's like a self-cleaning mall, hall of mirrors. It's yeah, just, it's like a Roomba, but it's an it's a giant yeah, building. Yeah, it you just know? does what it needs to do by itself. It's, it, it's there's a lot of triggers, but also there's somebody up here who's like pulling all the levers, and and we get these we get these these kids usually in this room, yeah. and then we completely close it off, so they're actually cut off from any exits or totally safe, completely Super safe. safe. And does it open from in the inside or the outside only? Oh, it actually doesn't open at all. Uh, we actually have some locks in place to where you can't get out until you get to the floor. The you can't. Floor. You can't. You can't get out. Okay, the floor. The floor drops. So yes, you can get out. So, so this is about no. So I'm sorry. So hold. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's let's step back a second. So you just said you just said that this ride for children mm -hmm. is designed mm -hmm. that they go in, mm -hmm. the doors lock, mm -hmm. and then the floor gives way. Yeah, well, not immediately. Um, it before, takes time. It takes time. So, okay. So what we do is we, we get and them in the room. And you don't list the maximum occupancy. No, no. That's a dead giveaway. Do you know how to run a park? I know how to keep a park safe from fire. Yes. You know how to ruin a park. You okay, 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 oh. okay. You know Let's what? Yeah. Put, hold me back. Okay, hold yeah, me I'm back. Gonna, hold you back. Okay, <laughs> right. Sorry. We usually don't let her come on these little tours, but, you know, we're trying to be inclusive right now with the rest of our staff. Uh, hey, man, I get it. Cancel culture. Go on. <laughs> I get it. You know what? They try to say accountability culture. That sounds like someone's trying to cancel cancel culture. That's you know right. what I'm talking about. Anyways, what happens is they the kids run around the room for a bit, and then the walls and the ceiling part start uh, closing in on them until it gets to basically like you're scrunched down like you're the Terminator coming back in time. And you're about to raise up, but you can't because you're about to be turned into some sort of human cube. And then at the last moment, the floor gives way and they, they uh, fly through a chute and then they just plop outside uh, where they started. Yeah, I thought that part where you think you're going to die like a lot was pretty good. On yeah, getting part. the timing on that was really hard. We had to go through a lot of kids to get the timing just right. What if there's a, what if there's a fire? There's the never... There's, why would there be a fire? Yeah, why would there be a fire? This it's all the mirrors. hall of mirrors. Do you know how mirrors work? Do you know what mirrors are? Listen, you, we have a little rule here with the fire inspectors. Mm. It's never worth mm. asking, why would there be a fire? Because guess what? I'm not here to deal with whether or not there is a fire. I assume there's always a fire. Let's just say, hey, let's just say I'm Johnny Teenager. <laughs> and I've come to Horrorland with my date, Frisilda. And we decide we're going to go in the Hall of Mirrors and have our first sexual experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've heard this before. Makes sense. Glass box, all that. I go yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, And then, uh-oh, I was smoking Lucky Strikes right before and drinking coffee and smoking Lucky Strikes, and I accidentally tossed one to the guards. And now this place is ablaze. I'm trapped inside of a glass tube. I'm panicking, and I don't know how many people are in the room with me because there's no maximum capacity posted. You know, I should have thought of that. We should have had yeah, that's fire. that's a good right idea. Yeah, like that really like underscores. He's got He's some good really things. good. Yeah, I think you're in the wrong line of work there, yeah, Fire Marshal. Where, where else do you think there could be fire? Yeah, tell us. Where else do you <laughs> think fire just, could be involved in this ride? Well, we'll take notes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, can we can we take you to lunch? <laughs> Let's sneak a little more fire into our park. <laughs> Alligator Pond. Fire. Plus fire. Yeah, welcome to welcome to Horrorland Two. It's Horrorland <laughs> plus fire. I will say though that we were right. We all, we were almost on that path with the Doom slides. There is a part on yeah. slide number ten we where they close. do go through some fire. And I thought that was really genius for me to come up with that because I mean I've never worked with fire yeah. in my rides before. But now, suddenly... Just a little kiss of fire. Everything's yeah. on the table. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like it's just like cooking. You need salt. You need acid. 
You, you need, need heat. You need heat. Fire. Which is fire. And you need other things. Whatever the last thing Whatever is. Whatever the last thing is that I don't remember. All I know is if you want me to sign off in this park, you need to either fix this fire problem or give me $300. Well, here's my other question. Accessibility. What if I'm using a wheelchair? I've had that to- same thought. <laughs> yeah. Very, very not accessible. Yeah. It's very, like, Horrorland is pretty fucking ableist, okay? Yeah. And they don't talk about there being a wheelchair ramp or an elevator going to the top of the Doom Slide. No. How are you supposed to ride the Doom Slide? Yeah. And the Doom Slide would seem like a real great time for anybody, but how are you supposed to get somebody up there? Yeah. How is someone supposed to, like, like, do that ending foot race? So I didn't sign. Okay. We didn't. Wait, wait did we sign waivers? No. Wait. Shit. They would need. They would need a fucking lawyer. They would need an entire like kingdom of lawyers. There, there needed to be like, come on into Horrorland, and then it's like, hi, Saul Goodman, attorney at law. I need you to sign. This is an. This is a one. This is an NDA, so you can't tell anyone about this. But also, this is a waiver that says all the shit that you can't sue Horrorland about because I guarantee you monsters or no, this place would be sued back to the goddamn stone age. This place would be just like festering with lawyers with lawsuits. They may as well call it lawsuit land. Yes. Especially yeah. after they just fucking bribed and or killed the fire marshal. And then it becomes a horror land for the owners because they have so much litigation going on. This is America, folks. That's the real horror land. <laughs> this is the America that we live in. Are you happy? Uh, it looks like I'm sorry here. Uh, we also have some statements saying that some of the actual employees are residing in the park as monsters. Now, do you have that zoned? This is not zoned for that. Yeah. Oh, all right. All right. Here's the thing. There's no where. Where's the monster zone, Mr. Man? Here's my card. We'll be in touch. Danielle, they are going to sue your pants off. Your pants will be gone after they're done suing them. Oh, I got so much more than pants, buddy. What could that possibly fucking mean? (laughs) (laughs) I need you to take a moment and I need you to explain to me what type of weird fucking threat that was and what you're going to do when I push you on it. I've got more than pants, fella. Fucking what is it then? It was that you stopped being in our show for a second. (laughs) 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 Okay. That was a good section, Joe. That was a wonderful, wonderful book thus far. Um, Oh, man. So I I have a question for the end. I have a couple things for the end, but I have one in particular. This actually isn't specific to the end. It's mentioned earlier, but for some reason, I, I, it just caught my attention. Okay. So near the end of the book, uh, everyone gets back together. The kids find their parents. They go on this ride to float down the river to the coffins. Basically, they're trying to exit the park. Yes. Right? So it's chapter 22 is where I'm at. They're near to be accosted by the horrors. They mm-hmm. don't know what's about to happen. They're, the, the plaza has literally filled with these monsters. And it's on page 93 for me. Not sure what it is for you book people, but it's, it's just a couple words. So they're all being stared down by these monsters. Lizzie swallowed hard, leaning against her mother. She could feel her entire body trembling. I took a deep breath and then cried out, what do you want? The sound of my own voice startled me. One of the horrors, a young woman 
mm-hmm. stepped forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. I have. Yep, yeah, I have the same question. What? What is that? She was wearing mascara, Jeff. How do you distinguish? <laughs> she had on. She had on mascara and monster boobs. That's what I want to get to. Sorry, I didn't mean. Did the monster have boobs? How hot are these monsters? Yes. On what? a scale of what's ten? <laughs> so okay, ten is early access screenshots of Resident Evil Eight. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, yeah. big yeah. tall. Oh, those are doing it for a lot of people. Yeah. One is me. So <laughs> where? So what? Where are we? Like, where? Are, I feel like we're we're at least at like a like a seven. Because I mean, based on the cover that I look at, they've got these monsters which are big. If you took Danny DeVito and pumped yes. him up to like six foot tall, Just inflated him. Big I, beefy green boys. They that's your that's the size you're thinking of monster. Yeah, uh, these things are probably they're bigger. compact. They're uh, they're they're ready. They're ready to go. Yeah, they've got tails. They're green. They've got purple on them. They've got horns and yellow eyeballs, and they've got tusks and or fangs. Or yeah. Sometimes mascara. Sometimes mascara, maybe a little lipstick. I just kept imagining the Philly fanatic. <laughs> the most fuckable of mascots. Well. <laughs> I just am kind of, I got flummoxed by that idea that there's yeah. one. I, th- I think what she was getting at was that monster started talking. And they're talking about voices, the distinguishing feature. Yeah. Oh, so they're going to be voices. Yes. So they have voices. Well, because some people, it doesn't matter what their gender is. Yeah, some people have lower voices. The mo- the monster started talking, and, and it's like, well, she sounds kind of hot, actually, you know, as she's saying it. Like, I mean, I just think that they didn't have to gender it. They could have been like, I kind of thought all the I thought all the mon- the horrors were just sort of like genderless. Hey, yeah, they're just horrors until they have boobs. Yeah. Apparently. Oh, Jeff, you idiot! You don't know anything about how heteronormativity infects society. You fuck. Uh, this oh. is a lesson, a lesson for all of you. This is the long, this is the long arm of the binary extending its way into Monster Town. Right. You know what's really horrific about heteronormativity? What, Danielle? Monster boobs. That's right, monster boobs, Jeff. So, do you think maybe how has love not sprung between a guest of the park? And one of the horrors. You're we so don't right. know, Jeff. There's a whole series of Horrorland books. There is absolutely some some romance in one of those series books. There has to be. I swear to God, if Horrorland does not have the same cast of characters every book, I will be pissed off. I want an Animorphs in a haunted amusement park. That's what I want. If we have to write it ourselves... We will fucking do it. If I have to cast this and I have to create the costume and make the boobs real big and then someone has to wear it and I have to look at it and shoot it and do some like initial photography for it and put it on the internet and edit it over night after night after night and get it perfect and put some fucking shading on that shit, really get that dump truck ass on that monster just fucking good and get those titties just popping out, I will fucking do it. (laughs) Jeff, are you still Jeff, are you still here? What are we talking about? Dude, are you cool? (laughs) I gotta fuck that monster, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now we've reached the bottom. You wanna fuck the monster? Is that is that that is that that part of the? Yeah, I think I think we've done enough. Okay, but uh, just one other thing: if you had to design your own nightmare ride for Horrorland, Mm. Mm. oh, that's fun. What would you do? 
Yeah. Huh. Okay. It has to be a play on something that already kind of exists. Yeah. Okay. So I think mine would be, um, you go, okay. You go into a room. Scary. Mm-hmm. Mm, oh, again. And it's like a living room, but like a 50s living room, right? Okay. And in the center is like an old, like a tube television, but like a bunch of them, like in a, in a wall. But it's in the center. It's freestanding. And then they all turn on. Oh. And it's I Love Lucy. Yeah! And, and it's, the, it's the chocolate episode. You know the one? The cho- yeah. Oh, we all know the one. Uh, yeah. And then they do that for a while. And then you're looking at it and you go, where's the scary part? And then the t- the TVs fall over. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was I thought you were gonna say like a conveyor belt swoops in. No, no, no. They all just fall over on them, and you think you're gonna die, but then the couch falls backward, and and you're fine. It's called the room of accident. <laughs> <laughs> the room of oops. The ro- the oopsie okay. room. Will you come up with a scary ride then? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right, you're uh, you're in a haunted house, and it's wait, wait, wait. Do I know it's haunted? Is it is it sold as a haunted house? Do they tell me this is a enter the haunted house? No, it is billed as the doll house. That's creepy. okay. Okay, now yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and then you go in, mm-hmm. and immediately you have a doll run up and grab you up around the ankle. What's the doll? What's, just, the doll what's, what's the doll look like? How it big is it? Is is it is it, is it, my, is it to my size or is it like? Oh no no no! We're talking size. like small child size, like I don't know, half. Uh, okay. Okay, I'm there. I can see it. Uh, okay. And then it grabs you around the ankle, and then it latches on, and it doesn't let go for the whole time. It, you take it home with you. You it's take it home. Your, it's a prize. It lives with you now. It's a prize, and it will destroy your life. The horror part is that it's another mouth to feed, and you are so strapped. Ah, <laughs> oh, darn it. Responsibility, huh? Darn. Okay, I love that. Okay, Jeff, your turn. Your turn. Your turn. All right, so this one. Um, my ride is... All right, so here's here's what it is. Here's the ride: is you you go out, you're at like uh, you're at like um, uh, you're like a house. It looks just like a, a regular room, like a living room, right? And you walk in it, and there's this really really uh, cute looking dober, uh, gold retriever. It's Aww. sitting in there in the middle of the room, and it's just like wagging its tail when it sees you. And then you walk up to go and pet it, and when you do, it takes like two steps backwards. And then you go to try and pet it again, and it takes a, a couple steps to the side, and it's constantly evading your touch. <laughs> And, and as you get closer and closer, you look down at your hands, you see that your hands are, are growing withered and old, and the dog looks the same age. And it turns out this is sort of a Dorian Gray thing, but the dog stays the same age, but I get older. Yes. Doggy That's and Gray. sad, Jeff. You suck. Dorian dog. <laughs> it's, a, it's a room where you want to pet a dog, you never can, and then you die. That's horrible. <laughs> that is life, man. That is life. You die unfulfilled, unpetted. The way you were born. Yeah. Yeah, my fucking my Horrorland Park ride is real as shit. So get on board. Your Horrorland Park ride is like psychological. Danielle's <laughs> and I are at least tangible. <laughs> Yours just fucks with you on an emotional level. Fuck. Thank you to the band Dog Party for the use of our theme song "Bad Dream" off of the album "Hit and Run." You can check out Dog Party at their website, dogpartylive.com, and you can purchase their music at dogparty.bandcamp.com. And I encourage you to do that because, as we said at the start of the show, if Jeff didn't cut this joke, it is the start of January summer. <laughs> uh, 
Geekspuffs is part of a whole cadre of comedy content that we produce. Um, we also do a Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition podcast, actual play podcast called The Rolls We Made, which is available every Friday. You can get it anywhere podcasts can be found. We also do a YouTube Let's Play show called Jojo Has Fun. You can check that out at youtube.com slash Jojo Has Fun, J O E J O E H A S F U N. The next episode of our show is going to come out on. Uh, Wowzer Bowsers. It's going to be February 2nd, and that's going to be a mini bump. So that's exciting. What are we reading next, guys? Yeah, what are we going to read after that? Uh, ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I had somebody had recommended something. I think it was actually, I think Luna said that the only book she had ever read of Goosebumps was something about sharks. Deep Trouble. Deep, Deep trouble. trouble. Yep. Yep, yeah. yep, Ooh. yep, yep, yep. That's a good one. That's a classic. I think maybe we should read Deep Trouble. I'm all for it. Deep Trouble. Um, goosebumps number 19. Uh, so we will read Deep Trouble. And that, that'll, be, that'll be on uh, February 9th. Shark Day. Shark Day. I think that covers all of the stuff we typically say at the end of our show, guys. Yeah. Hey. Oh, wait. Darn it. There's one more thing. Mm-hmm. Danielle? Oh. Do you remember what it was? I do. I do recall. Yes. Okay, we'll do, do it then. This is the final passage, by the way. <laughs> That's how we end our show sometimes. I shrank back as the horror let go of the bus and slid to the ground. This is the horror that clutched onto the bus for apparently hours and hours and hours of driving. And then was like chill. It was like, That's, that was fun. His yellow eyes studied us menacingly. He moved toward us quickly. Clay and Luke hid behind Dad. Mom's mouth dropped open in fright. What do you want? I cried. He reached out his green hand. Jeff, do the voice. Here, he said. We forgot to give you your free passes for next year. Boom. (laughs) Beat that. Wait, did this book just cape fear us? It just fucking cape feared us. (laughs) Shit, dude. We just got cape feared by Rob Robert Lawrence once again. I'm JoJo. I have a PhD. I'm Danielle. I have a PhD. I'm Jeff, and I have a lovely bunch of coconuts. D D D D. Now you gotta keep that coconut joke. This has been Geese Bumps, the <laughs> Digimi Goose Bumps podcast, and until next time, stay out of the basement. Just like somebody I used to.